what's so neat about books is they they make an imprint on you uh, when you're younger and it can remain a memory for your whole life of something that you found so magical, you know, like a flying horse. What's a flying horse? I need to see a flying horse. And, you know, and I love how you weave all of these facts about the Olympic equestrian and these real people in there for children. Hello, friends, and welcome to season six of the Future Ready Librarian podcast series, Leading from the Library. This is a podcast for all librarians wherever you are in your journey. It is filled with amazing guests, important topics, and engaging conversations that will inspire, engage, and support all of us as future ready librarians. I am your host, Shannon McClintock Miller. I am the district teacher librarian at Van Meter Community School in Van Meter, Iowa, and I serve as the future ready librarian spokesperson. I have the pleasure of working within my library and school community and also with others around the country and world through Future Ready Librarian events, conferences, consulting, writing, and more. I am honored to bring these voices and the work of others to our podcast and to all of you. Today, I am so excited we're in for a treat because this one is a little different than having all the amazing librarians that we have had on the podcast because my friend Dana, who you'll meet in a minute, reached out to me and I had seen on her Twitter talking about a barn book nook. So after we connected, we thought it would be a really great topic and just so inspiring for all of us that are in libraries and in schools and working with kids to hear this story from Dana and Carrie and Sarah. And so I'm so happy to have you all on the show today. And let's just kick it off by having everyone introduce themselves. Um, my name is Dana Plotz, and I'm the co-creator of a children's literacy website called MrsP.com that we started in 2008 to just spread the joy of books and the love of reading and um, to spark the creativity in children. And it's free for all librarians and teachers and parents out there. And Carrie, do you wanna introduce yourself? Sure, my name is Carrie Syme. I am the author of Horse Girl, which is, um, which is a middle grade novel that's a bit like Mean Girls meets Black Beauty. And I'm also the author of The Flying Flamingo Sisters, which is an audible adventure series. Um, I also work as a journalist and I do a little TV writing. So I do all kinds of writing and I'm very excited to be here today. Thank you. Um, my name is Sarah Maslanier. I'm a staff reporter for the New York Times. Uh, what I do for my day job is you know, very tough covering investigative subjects for which I was a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize as well as crime and sometimes delight. But my secret side hustle is ponies, utterly obsessed with horses. In 2020, uh, 2000, yes, 2021, I was the author of Horse Crazy, the story of a woman and a world in love with an animal, which is a nonfiction book about obsession with horses all around the world. And about two weeks ago, my second book, the Flying Horse came out. It's book one in the Once Upon a Horse series, which is true equestrian tales uh, for middle grade readers. 
Amazing. I'm just so excited now, not only to talk to you, but also to read these books. So I think it's just so great. I mean, who doesn't love horses, right? Especially our (laughs) readers. I think that it's a topic that every reader, like I was saying earlier, my daughter, she just loved horses so much. And I see that a lot in our library. And so I'm excited to not only share this with the librarians today, but also to bring it back to my school too. Well, I think Dana... Oh, I was going to say, I think Dana took it to the next level, sharing that love. I was just about to launch into what she did, which is really incredible and how she brought us all together. Yes, I can't wait to hear. So go ahead and and tell us that. (laughs) Well, um, it actually kind of started during the pandemic for me because I used to be a big swimmer and I couldn't go to the gym anymore. And so... Um, I created this tiny book club while my friend actually came up with the idea um, in just the two of us to start reading books. And we read Sarah's book called Horse Crazy. And it got me thinking, oh my gosh, why don't I go horseback riding again? Because I had a horse for most of my life. And then with family and career and everything. I just couldn't get to the barn every day. So I gave it up. And this book, I thought, I'm going to do this. So it got me to um, go and start writing again. And I saw her post on Twitter. And that's what's so great about social media with, you know, my literacy site with Mrs. P. I'm always trying to connect with librarians and authors. And so through Sarah's uh, tweets about her book, I saw Carrie um, on Twitter and her new book, and I bought it um, also and read it because you are never too old to read children's books, tween books, any kind Mm -hmm. of books. They're all great. And I started seeing photos of them like doing events at barns. And um, so where I was writing, there were lots of little kids and I am a more senior writer (laughs) being in my 60s. And I thought, you know, books are something that connect us all. And what if I, um, well, I had given a copy, my copy of Horse Girl to some very cute little kids at the barn. And they wrote me this thank you note that it was just adorable. They drew little photos of, of, uh, yeah, I'm showing this little picture they drew of me with my horse and telling me how much they love um, books and horses. And I thought, you know what, I am going to make a little book nook at the barn. And I asked Elaine, the trainer at our barn, you know, how do you feel about that? And all the conversations you know, between me and the little ones, the little kiddos would always happen right outside the tack room. So um, I thought all I really need to do is have a sign and gather up my favorite books, which of course were Sarah's and Carrie's and some other authors um, like Elizabeth Letts, who has some great books um, um, that are, she's also had made in for kind of kids versions and some how-to books. And all we didn't want to have to police it in any way, so we just made some little um, imprints of uh, in to put inside some book plates that said "Borrow, Read, Return" or "Love, Read, Return." And so we put them in there, and the parents were just thrilled because they always come to watch their little ones. And then the owner of the barn, she was like, wow, the parents really like this. She started advertising it on her barn website that they have a book nook. It's like like right after the 
picture of the horse program, there's the book nook because it's such a great way for kids to learn and read. And it's a great way um, to connect as an adult. And it's really, you know, when you share a love of the same book, that's the thing that can help start a conversation with someone new and it can lead to new friendship. And, you know, books are, they're really the things that um, they span all generations for us. And so that's kind of how I came up with the idea of the book nook. And I hope to expand it to some other barns that have therapy animals. Cause I've been so inspired by watching Sarah do events also um, with therapy animals and, you know, reading books to animals is really great for kids too. I want to commend you, Dana, too, because you've gone further than that. You even did a book club on horseback and every kid (laughs) was riding their horse, holding a copy of my book. And what a better way to get a reluctant reader engaged with the subject. And I think what you're doing is so special and the intergenerationality. Did I make that word up? Let's go with it of what you do, you know, you're in your 60s and here you are sharing books and borrowing books and sharing a language with children. It's really inspiring that you've created community through books uh, in this corner of your barn. And I commend you on that. Oh, thank you so much. And I wanna share um, to tell you and Carrie that the books, there is one little girl who she said, oh, I don't, I'm not a big reader. And um, she goes, is it okay if I take a book out? And I said, oh, of course. And, you know, why don't you and her grandparents come? And I said, you could have your grandparents read with you. And so the next week, she actually wrote a book. And she huh. did little illustrations and she put it in there and wanted to share the story oh, of her little book because we always get together before we start writing. And so, you know, it's really like, I, I just can't thank you both enough for <laughs> yeah, um, getting me back into loving horses and doing this because there are just so many connections to be made. So I'm carrying you to the barn every time I go, just so you know. <laughs> oh, Tina, that is, that's so magical. That's just incredible. And I have to say, I have heard from so many parents and librarians and teachers that horse books are really connect with reluctant readers, as you were saying. Um, there's something that gives them permission to read because it's something that they love and it seems like a joy versus a chore. And I think what, one thing I've thought about a lot since writing Horse Girl, um, and I'm sure Sarah has the same feelings, is that horses, especially for this middle grade age, are a great connection between your childhood and adulthood. So mm. horses represent you know, the independence and the freedom and strength, but they're also the comforts of childhood. They're, they're very comforting, soothing creatures. So you get to sort of bounce between those two worlds when you read about them. And um, I found that that's just a really, really neat thing. And then as adults, we get to do the same thing with our stories, which is going back to to some of our favorite memories of childhood, whether it was the first book or the first real horse um, and living in that world, even as a grown up. And I I couldn't agree more. Um, You know, your book, um, Carrie, with how finding your herd and finding the your people at the barn and Sarah, both your books about feeling like a bit like an outsider and having that barn and the horses be your refuge. I think so many kids, that's so true. The barn is this place where 
they have something that they, you know, when you're riding a 1200 pound animal or even a 900 pound pony, you know, it gives you a confidence. And I was one of those kids. I was super tall. Um, I was taller in the first grade than the teacher. And I always was teased and was, you know, never felt confident. And the horses I started riding when I was really young. And that was something outside of my school activities that I could feel great about. And I think, you know, that's where both your books also impart those wonderful stories for kids about that you can feel empowered and you can overcome obstacles and, you know, something like a, a horse or, you know, any kind of activity that they have that's outside of school is really wonderful for them. But that's what I especially loved about both of your books. Thank you. I know. I think it's so neat to just to talk to people when you're really interested in a topic and so passionate about it. And that's one of, when we talk to authors or illustrators, like at our school to hear like the why behind, you know, writing about horses or writing about a certain topic. And so that was one thing that I found really interesting is that you guys have this connection and now you've inspired Dana also, but will inspire a lot of kids. And one thing that I wondered too, I know that when my daughter was young and taking care of her horse and loved reading horse books, she always loved finding like little nuggets of, you know, like true things, like true facts too, on how to take care of them. And that's a really neat connection, having these books like in a barn and around kids that are around horses. And so do your books also incorporate these educational like facts and things too for kids? Yeah. What's so cool about Carrie's book is it actually has footnotes all throughout that uh, horse girl has footnotes that tell you, oh, this is a frog. This is what a hand is, you know, in in terms of measurement. Um, Yours is very uh, specific with that. And I think I'm going to out you, Carrie, is that Carrie wasn't a horse girl. She taught herself all of this. Her sister is the horse girl. So that speaks to Carrie's uh, success as a reporter to really report out this world. And you can elaborate on you some more. <laughs> yeah, no, we, um, we, we incorporated, we call them hoof notes, of course, mm-hmm. instead of footnotes, <laughs> but, but that was important to me because I was coming at, coming at it as a person who loved horses more from afar uh, while my sister was the rider and I would go and watch her ride and watch her lessons, but I was allergic. So I wasn't really up on the horses very often. And so I wanted to, the book to be accessible to both kinds of, of readers, those who were really deep in it and would know all the terminology and those who were more, you know, civilians who just mm-hmm. liked horses from afar. And that's the beauty of books, right? You can both. If if you're riding every day, this is going to be a thrill. Sarah's book is going to be a thrill for you. Um, and if you haven't, you're going to learn something and still be excited by the stories of, of, uh, you know, the love stories between the kids and the horses. And my books, you know, being a reporter, I struggle with fiction because we're not allowed to make anything up (laughs) at the New York Times. So, um, so I didn't uh, with um, my children's books, although they're novels, um, everything in them is true, um, including uh, the way the horse flies and the flying horse is in the belly of a 747. 
And I actually went with nine Dutch warm blood horses in the belly of a 747 across the Atlantic to figure out how it was done. Um, I followed, believe it or not, my horse trendsetter, who the book is about. Uh, it's also about a girl named Sarah. Spoiler alert. It's about me. And um, they, uh, I, I followed the stamps in trendsetter's passport. He actually has a passport. And so I found his history and I found the town he grew up in. And so every character in all of Once Upon a Horse, this series, is all based on uh, true figures. Um, the only thing sort of uh, from my imagination is the storyline, the through line that puts it all together. I learned so much from Sarah's book. I learned like, <laughs> what, what is a horse's first day of life like? You know, that was really cool. And then riding on the airplane with the horse. How, no one ever would know what that feels like. That's yeah. amazing. We do. I love that. I cannot wait to read both of your books. I mean, it's just really fascinating. And the kids, you know, when kids can pick up a book and they can also connect to something that is real or a hobby or a passion that they have, then just as you both said earlier, that's when we hooked our hook our readers, not just the readers who love to read anything they can get their hands on, but especially those who maybe are a little reluctant to read too. Well, can I elaborate a little further? The second book in my series um, is called uh, The Jockey and Her Horse, and it comes out in the fall. And it's about uh, the first ever female black jockey to ride in America. She did it when she was 17 years old in 1971. Her name is Cheryl White, and it's written with her brother. And what was really important to me about that story, Shannon, speaking to exactly what you're talking about, about seeing themselves and seeing truth, you know, Cheryl White was a real girl and she's been erased from history and uh, Black people have been removed from equestrian sports. Really, they're very marginalized and not visible. But the truth is one in four cowboys in the pioneer era were Black. The West was integrated. Uh, thoroughbred racing was entirely predicated on enslaved Black labor. And that has been removed from the narrative. Um, and uh, my goal in these true books is to gently remind people uh, that those parts of history exist and also to show people my hope is a, a little black girl picks up that book and she doesn't see herself in the riding arena and suddenly she realizes she was always there, you know, so that representation really matters. And even with the protagonist of The Flying Horse, Sarah, um, she struggles with dyslexia. And I really struggled in school. She has sort of an amplification of what I had. And I had a little girl after my latest barn party. I don't know if I told you this, Carrie. She's so special. Her mother, she's dyslexic, nine years old. Her mother texted me. She said, you know, mom, I didn't think I would ever be able to read. Now I know I will one day. And I mean, that's why you write, right? You know, for a child to see themselves there. It was unbelievable. Say your books, like Sarah, both your books, the more adult one, Horse Crazy, and then The Flying Horse, they remind me so much of when I was little and the canon that everyone read was Misty of Chincoteque by Marguerite Henry. And I dreamed of going to the Chincoteque Islands for, oh, I, you know, I thought that's how I'm going to get my pony. And I would just, you know, I'd tell my parents, I'm going to go there. And I had it all plotted out, you know, just, you know, when I was nine years old, <laughs> how I was going to get that pony there. And then I went there when I was living in a program in Washington, D.C. for college. 
And one weekend I went down to the Shinkotique Islands because still at 20 years of age, I still was obsessed with, I need to go there. And your book with the Lipizzan horses, I was fortunate enough, I've been to see the Lipizzan horses in Austria. And, um, and that's a thing that you're gonna create a generation of little girls that are going to want to go and see the flying horses and mm. be on their bucket list. And, you know, that's also what's so neat about books is they, they make an imprint on you uh, when you're younger and it can remain a memory for your whole life of something that you found so magical, you know, like a flying horse. What's a flying mm. horse? I need to see a flying horse. And, mm. you know, and I love how you, weave all of these facts about the Olympic equestrian and these real people in there for children. And, um, and I also loved Carrie, you know, your footnotes and how you made them fun um, with the hoof notes and even the little terminology hashtags, because that's something that kids are so familiar with, you know, that maybe, you know, an older generation might not know, but that's something that kids now are very aware of. And so that's another thing that both of your books, you know, I think are, are have that just a real lasting thing for kids to make them what I like to call evergreen books, that mm. they're truly classics. They can be read by any generation and they'll always, that story is always going to hold up. I, I think also what's important about both Carrie and my book um, is that the protagonists fail a lot. Like Willa's first jump in Horse Girl is by accident, you know, right? Yeah. And she, <laughs> you want to tell that story? And so like, it, it's not, I think they're inclusive in that way that you don't have to be good at this. You just have to love it. But maybe you want to talk about that. Karen. Yeah. One of my, my goals was that Willa, my protagonist makes a lot of mistakes and she's aware of it and, and kind of owns it. And I thought that would make it so much more relatable to readers. I also wanted humor was very important for me to include in this book. Um, particularly as a book that is generally geared to girls, although we welcome all readers, everybody can read this book, all ages, um, boys, girls, everybody, but we, girls books sometimes can be really heavy and serious. And so my editor and I wanted to make sure we embrace the joy and comedy of errors and mistakes and falling on your face and falling in the mud which is what happens a lot when you're riding horses um, <laughs> and the dirt and the, the sounds and the stinkiness, that's all part of it. And that's, that's reality. And we wanted to bring it alive. I love it. I love everything you guys are talking about. My kids would just be so into this conversation. Like they would be so excited too. <laughs> I love it. And Sarah, your protagonist also makes some, you know, has some moments of mistake. Yeah. yeah, she makes, she makes bad decisions, um, yeah. you know, and she's not compassionate to herself. Um, you know, I, I don't know if my book is particularly humorous, which I, I love the idea of injecting humor into it, but my book is gentle. And I think that that's what horses are for children. They're a safe space. And, um, you know, a lot of these books are leaning towards edgy now and, and they're, they can be uh, snarky and catty. And, but my book is gentle and cause that's what horses always were for me. And I, I think they're that for Dana, right? They, they create a, a, a sanctuary. Maybe you want to talk about that, Dana. 
Well, and both of your books have a kindness. I mean, Sarah, your book is if everyone had a teacher like your character Sarah had in her book or a grandmother Frida. There's, mm-hmm. I, I actually cried reading your book because there was just this wonderful kindness. And I, mm-hmm. I think we need a lot more kindness in the world. And also carry your book too. you know, there with the family ties and the other kids um, at the barn and that finding that herd. And there also was a kindness. And so I'm very drawn to that. And I think Shannon, like librarians often need to have a stable of books like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or kids because we're living in sometimes a a very stressful time and for children and reading books about um, kids like this and having kindness is really important and I know for me at the barn finding uh, all these new people and having the animals um, to interact with during the pandemic, you know, was really important because it, it was a safe place. Riding at a barn during the pandemic was probably one of the safest places you could be because you're already socially distanced. And the horses seemed to know that all of the people there, these beautiful, majestic animals, which I think that's one of the reasons horse books are so timeless is because the horses have played this role in what we see and through history of being these just amazing animals. But they they almost sensed that all of the people needed them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think, you know, your books also show animals like that. And I think that's really important for children too, to learn how to um have kindness so I really love that about both your books and so thank you for putting Mm -hmm. those in there (laughs) our kids need books definitely like this I think that is something I'm glad that you said that because we look for books that our kids that do bring kindness and bring that calm and bring something that kids can read that they're passionate about that they They don't have to, you know, they can see themselves in a book. They don't have Mm -hmm. to, you know, be someone else or succeed at everything. And I think that that is something that I'm excited about bringing them to our library too. You said something too, Dana, that made me think that even though we're not a barn at school, that maybe I need a tiny little barn book nook in my library just to (laughs) house these books and other favorites about horses too. And you know it's very important to it's it's very important to remember, um, you know that, and I often often say this that you don't have to have ever touched a horse to be a horse person. You don't have to have ever ridden one. You know, horses are unfortunately incredibly expensive to be engaged with them, and so that can feel exclusionary. But you can have the love in your heart for these animals, and that makes you a certified horse girl or boy. Um, I. In my first book, Horse Crazy, I actually went uh, to a competition where people compete plastic model horses and they take them around the world a hundred at a time. This is adults and children. And um, I was stunned by it. Actually came in very, very skeptical thinking like what weirdos. And I left realizing I was the weirdo that I'd lost my ability to play and to imagine and dream and that those people were playing all day long and those people who you know can afford a 24 dollar acetate model horse 
are horse people just as much as me with my show jumpers. Um, it's really about uh, feeling it in your heart. And books are incredible ways to get your horse fixed when yeah. you maybe don't have access to pet a fuzzy nose. I think for the first many decades of my life, horse books were my way I had horses. That chapter that Sarah's talking about in her horse crazy book about going to Briarfest with the model horses is worth but the buying the book alone. Just that chapter. It's amazing and awesome. And then I went like two years after I read it um, because I had, I had to see it for myself. I love that. I can't even wait to read about that. We have a whole um, garage attic full of those horses from when <laughs> Brianna was, my daughter was little. So uh -huh. Oh. And Shannon, one thing I wanted to say for your librarians listening is it's exactly right. There are so many ways, um, even if you don't, you're not at a barn or a stable. I've had, I've been so wowed by the ingenuity of the librarians that I've worked with over the past two years of, of doing the um, horse girl tour during a pandemic. Some mm. libraries even brought a horse to the, to the lawn of the library so the kids could pet the horse. Others, we just did a, a Zoom with the author where we made um, horse crafts, like horse girl beaded bracelets, which I'm uh -huh. um, Others, we just we just talked or we wrote horse stories together uh, on a Zoom. And so I'm just, and every, they, these librarians came up with all these great ideas and uh -huh. I was the beneficiary of it. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's, there's just so, as Sarah was saying, there's so many ways to connect to horses through a book without having to spend any money at all. Yeah. I think some of those visits are even the best, right. And, and to asking our kids what they want to do too. And that's why I can't wait to go back and bring these books to our library and to talk to our, not only horse lovers, but all kids about your books too. It's going to be exciting. And Shannon, like, I love your idea of I mean, you are in Iowa, and so kids probably, you know, they get to actually see horses depending where they live or, you know, driving out in the country and seeing the corn. And I've been to that part of the country many times. And um, and that creating something in the library, like a little barn book nook, I mean, we just used an old wooden milk crate that <laughs> was lying around and um, in the back of the barn that, you know, had been there for how many years and painted it. And then I got a little sign made and I'd be happy to create one and uh, send it to your schools. And definitely so <laughs> let's do one in every school. Yes. <laughs> I know. And, you know, just because that they are, you know, horse books are universal. And there's a lot of other sports, you know, that, you know, kids love, of course, and soccer and baseball. And, but it does, it does uh, talk about how creative librarians are. And um, I've seen that through my interactions on social media with the librarians, how wonderful they are sharing their creative ideas with one another and adopting those. And, doing different types of displays to get kids interested in different types of books. And so the barn book nook idea could be replicated, you know, for librarians all across the country. <laughs> We're going to do it. We're going to do this, Dana. You know, we can get this done. And I think that is the 
the perfect way to introduce your books like to a library, but also just to get kids excited about all reading, but how, how neat would that be? So yes, Dana, I'd like a sign and I'll find the crate. We're going to make this happen. (laughs) Okay. And then I I hope that, you know, when you're that sharing the, um, this podcast on your uh, blog that we can have Carrie and Sarah's pictures of their books so other librarians can know what great books these are and that they should yes. put them in their stable of books. Dana, well, can we hire you? Can you yeah, are you like who's paying you, Dana? Seriously. Well, I, I am long retired, but this is just a passion. My mom kicked it off here as I'm just showing the photo or, or a book. This is my mom's copy of Black Beauty that she oh. got when she worked in her first bookshop in Nebraska. Oh and then she passed it to me. And it's a little original edition of Black Beauty. And wow. so books that is so cool, Dana. And if you want to hear the power of horse books, Black Beauty set off the animal rights movement. There was no animal rights movement. There was no humane society. Black Beauty induced it because people saw for the first time through the animal's eyes. And the American Humane Society was actually created to protect carriage horses as, as it began. Um, and that expanded. So talk about the power of a, of a beautiful book to make people see. And I love that in your book that the story, the chapters that were trendsetter were told through the horse's point of view. And that mm-hmm. made it really powerful. It's probably one of the reasons I you know I cried because of that. <laughs> I thanks for you know pointing that out about a black beauty because horses horse books can, you know just like you said you know have a huge impact on more than just the reader so mm-hmm. i love i love sarah's um in sarah's book the flying horse the chapters alternate between the human protagonist point of view and the horse point of view and and it's such a fantastic way to to um follow the threads of the story as they intertwine and one of the things I love when I've met with uh, students in librarian library visits and school visits is they want to talk about their own writing and creating their own stories. And they are blown away when I say, I want you to check out one of my chapters in the back. It's only one page. And some, some chapters are 30 pages. And I said, do you know who told me I could do that? Say no. And I said, I did. I decide. Mm-hmm. And Sarah got to decide that her horse would tell some chapters and she would tell her, Sarah would tell the other chapters. And I think it's such a great discussion point with students is that when you're writing, you get to decide how your story is told and you can be as creative as you want. So Shannon, I have an idea that, you know, we, of course, um, Sarah and Carrie don't know this, but for 10 years, um, I ran a national writing contest for kids through our Mrs. P with teachers all across the country. And, and um, Shannon helped us Skype with so many teachers. And Sarah, when I see you in your car there, Shannon would often be in her car <laughs> setting up <laughs> tons of teachers for us with poetry days and all kinds of things. But Shannon, maybe what we should do is in just your class, because I know Sarah, you mentioned you might want to do a visit there, or maybe you invite Sarah and Carrie to do a Zoom with your classroom. And, um, you know, these are things a lot of librarians love to do Zooms with their classrooms. 
but maybe yep. we could do a little writing contest and then I could provide a copy of each of their books for your library or to the, you know, as they could win the books for your yes, library. Let's do it. Let's well, do I'll, it. I'll expand that. Shannon, to your listeners, you know, I, I can speak for Carrie on this. We are very available to Zoom all over the country. Yes. We love uh, donating signed copies. Yes. Um, we're accessible. Uh, my Instagram is once upon a horse, uh, which is the series title. Carrie, do you want to give your Instagram? My Instagram is Carrie K. Syme. So that's C-A-R-R-I-E-K-S-E-I-M. And but people you can, can read just... a lot. If you go to horsegirlbook.com, that's the easier one to remember. Horsegirlbook.com has all the info for me. Yay. And people can find us and, and we will come chat to your, your herd. We're going to make this happen. I'm so excited. And right when we get done, I'm actually going to email all of you because I have some ideas cooking too. And I know that our listeners will as well. And I will make sure that everything is connected to this podcast and also do a blog post. So all of you listening can not only learn more, but see their books and have everything that they spoke about today um, attached. So you can take it back to your library, but I'm so grateful that the three of you joined me today. I'm so happy to just to meet new friends and be connected. So thank you, Dana, for that too. Well, I want to make one final point just really quick that Dana doesn't know us. She's our reader and she read our books and she found us and she inspired us. So that is the power of books and the power of readers. So thank you, Dana. Thank oh, you, Dana. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm like the fan girl here. It's like, a, oh my gosh, I get to meet two authors that I just love. And but that's what I love about how authors are on social media. And I think that's a great message for librarians and teachers too, because I know I was like, oh, who, you know, I mean, I know some people know about Mrs. P, mostly teachers and librarians, but I don't think a lot of authors knew about it because we were mostly reading the classics. And um so I, I took a risk and thought, I'm going to write to these people and see if they write back. And they do. And I think that's, mm -hmm. you know, that's really that authors want to engage with librarians and classrooms. And so we don't have to be afraid as readers <laughs> to reach out. And that was a good lesson for me because it's really, you know, this is, this is really a thrill for me to actually see you both and get to hear you both. So thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're so right. Authors are dying to connect with librarians and and talk and share and, and go to classrooms and meet people. And so it's great when the gates can be down and we can just connect directly. So thank you for your courage, Dana. <laughs> oh, I always tell people that, like, don't be afraid. Like the worst that somebody can say is that they don't have time or that they're busy. But most authors and illustrators and publishers and others like want to connect with our kids. So thank you guys so much for not only inspiring me, but also our listeners today. Thank you, Dana, Carrie, and Sarah for joining me today. We are so inspired by what you shared. You will be able to find their information attached to this podcast along with resources and a certificate of professional development that you can download and fill out to use. As always, thank you to all of our listeners for joining us for this episode of the Future Ready Librarian podcast series, Leading from the Library. And a very special thank you to our sponsors, Follett. 
You make a difference in our library schools and within our lives and that of our students every day. We appreciate everything you do. I hope you can take what you learned in today's podcast and put it to use within your practice as a future ready librarian. Until next time, friends, keep finding ways to lead within and from your library.